0: I'm Rachna. I'm Natalie. And I'm Christy. And welcome to the Triage
1: Podcast. Hi everyone. Welcome back to the Triage. We're so excited to have you all with us today. Today we will be talking about the social determinants of health for formally the last time, but honestly never truly the last time. So we're really excited to wrap up this series with you all. In today's episode, we'll be talking about economic stability and the healthcare system.
2: Yeah, we first wanted to start with universal healthcare. I mean, <laughs> this is something ever since Bernie came into our lives that everyone's been, you know, debating about, arguing about, discussing, and it's such a polarizing issue. There's either people who are super for it or super against it. And it's just really interesting to think about because if you look at a lot of other countries who are on a similar tier of the USA in terms of development, a lot of those countries have universal health care. So it's kind of weird to look at the US in that way and say, well, why, why don't we have that kind of privilege? but i think what it ultimately boils down to is that healthcare is a business. i mean, there's someone out there trying to make their bottom line. they're trying to make a dollar at the end of the day, and that's why we don't have universal healthcare.
1: it's such like a skewed perspective i feel because i believe that healthcare is a, like a universal human right because we can't control like getting sick or getting hurt. Um, like most, like I'd say, ninety nine percent of the time, except with COVID, please wear a mask. But yeah, like, I just get so like shocked that there are people who are angry about us trying to fight for a more equitable solution to healthcare and um, medical debt. Medical debt is such a huge, ugly side of our healthcare system that people try to. like act like don't exist sometimes I feel like it's kind of a little stigmatized to talk about how much debt you can get into for seeking healthcare treatment
0: yeah and I feel like with COVID so many people are angry that we have to hurt the economy in order to save lives which like kind of weird I mean that comes from our capitalistic point of view and um, our love for capitalism in this country but if everyone had health insurance and had access to great health care, health care that is culturally competent, health care that is tailored to each person, then we wouldn't be in a predicament like this. Like, of course, pandemics, we can't really control half the time. But if everyone felt comfortable with the health care that they had, if health care wasn't, t- wasn't tied to employment, you wouldn't have people risking their lives to go to work just to like keep their health insurance god forbid they do get covid and so people are like annoyed with this pandemic and what it's done but it really comes from the fact that we don't have universal health care and people have to work their ass off and put themselves at risk in order to maybe have some sort of coverage for a disease like this it's just kind of backwards and i don't think people understand the root of everything yeah and i think what's interesting to think about on the other side of that coin it,
2: and why maybe you know the US is not going towards universal health care is that there's so many healthcare companies there's so many pharma companies so many insurance companies that a lot of those people if there is universal health care would be kind of like they would have to decrease in size I think there's different ways that they would go about having universal health care and one of the ways is to keep some of the companies and keep the options but you know decrease the size and the power that they have in determining the prices and the cost of everything so it's interesting to think about that aspect of it but ultimately at the end of the day healthcare is like a billion dollar industry they make so much money a year and you have to think at the end of the day who who is who's getting all this money it's not like doctors make a lot of money but it's not they're not billionaires you know it's not going to them where is it going it's going to the CEOs so. And,
1: yeah, and there's such like a, um, and we've talked about this in other episodes as well, but there's such a retroactive look um, feeling with our healthcare system when, when if we focused on being proactive and emphasizing um, measures such as exercise, healthy eating, and not just in individualistic behaviors like we're talking about, like on a societal shift, talking about like less fast food um, corporations being with the heads of billionaires like running these fast food corporations like why are they making more money than farmers who are like on fields for 10-12 hours a day working so hard to get us the food we need to stay healthy like there's such like a prior, like an issue with prioritizing where this money should be going so there's that entire another way you can look at the situation is that it's a business and it's a business that there is so much potential to be helping people with shifting the stance to being proactive rather than this retroactive, okay, well, you never received a formal education on healthy eating and exercise, so now you have diabetes, but the, the medicine you need insulin is going to be a ridiculously amount of priced per bottle, um, That and you need a new one every single month, and it could potentially put you in debt, or you won't need the medicine, you need. You can't afford the medicine that you need to live. And it's like, how did we get, like, how did we get here?
0: And all of those ailments are usually pre-existing conditions, so you may not get health insurance anyway. (laughs) I've actually
2: seen patients before who have wanted to get the prescription for the insulin, but they go to Canada to get some of these drugs. Like, this is a thing that happens, is that they can't afford the drug here, even with their insurance covering some costs, there's still a really high cost, and it's just cheaper to go to Canada to get these prescriptions filled. Like, that's so sad that people have to go to another country to get the medications that they need to survive. I don't know.
1: It costs $5 to make insulin. $5!
2: And I think there's, I don't know how much of a rumor this is, but there's that story that they sold the patent for really low, the people who invented insulin because they just knew that this was going to be a life-saving drug. And then people just took it and ran with it. So,
0: yeah. I mean, that kind of goes into like the power that the pharmacy, the pharmaceutical industry has in the United States, just because even in, we're all from New Jersey, like New Jersey is known as a big or most of the East Coast, like Boston too, is known as the Pharma Hub. And we all, I mean, we all know it. Like we watch TV, we have YouTube ads. Like most of them are from pharmacy companies, pharmaceutical companies. I don't know why I keep saying pharmacy. Um, and they are the ones who are paying the big bucks to have ads. So that's why our cable runs. That's why YouTube still runs ads. Like for like, you can pretty much watch YouTube for free still. Hulu. I, I, I need to count the ads, but... It's all farm pharmaceutical ads. And they're like masked as this like life saving thing, which like they are to a certain extent, but sometimes they're just like asking you to like check with your doctor and get it when like you may not necessarily need it. And so it's just interesting.
2: Yeah, and I see so many celebrities endorsing different drugs and I at the end of the day, like I today I saw Serena Williams in a migraine drug commercial. I saw it on the TV and I was like, what that's kinda weird. And I'm not saying that she doesn't have migraines, I'm sure she does have it, but I'm just wonder like, did the drug company reach out to her? Yeah. Did she did she try the drug and was like, oh my god, this is amazing and I want to be a spokesperson? Like how does that work? Where's my endorsement for all the drugs that I take? <laughs> But, I don't know, it just seeps into everyday life, and honestly, if they're paying these celebrities to do these advertisements, they're clearly making a lot of money off of these drugs, so. I also heard that some different apps that they have out there for mental health are cheaper than getting therapy.
0: yeah me getting therapy through better help is cheaper than going through my insurance and most people like most people were oh some people I've seen I don't like I don't have a perfectly like microcosm like social media or like life that shows paints the picture of like what everyone looks like but from what I've seen and from what I've experienced it's cheaper to get it through better help
1: and you just said it right there too, <laughs> like you you are covered by an, like an insurance company, like obviously we won't name them, but you're covered by an insurance company and it's still cheaper for you to go through a third party system. So it's not even equitable and it's, well, it's not equitable regardless because there are folks who don't have it, but even for folks who are covered, it's not even equitable for them. It's just a broken feedback loop, it's just a broken system because we're paying these premiums, we're, we're dedicating so much um, energy being anxious about, I mean, I know I am at least, will I have health care by the time I'm 26? Like, will I be covered? Like, I have to figure all of these things out. Okay, I'm starting to apply for jobs next year. Well, I got to make sure that I have health care attached to it. We're putting all the energy into it. It could still be hundreds of dollars every time I go to the doctor, thousands of dollars if I need a hospital visit. That's not, even if I get health care coverage, it's not even guaranteed to not leave me in some sort of debt. So it's not even efficient in that sense of that everyone is thinking, you know, we all have this, this, this uh, cu- mindset as a country, I won't say individualistically, but mindset as a country that this is the best option. This is the, this is uh, the most, um, we work for it and this is, we earn it and all of those like really harmful ways of thinking towards anything in re- relation to capitalism, really, when it's not even benefiting the people who think they're benefiting from it. Because there's still an out of pocket cost.
0: And that's what we're like when I think about it's suicide prevention month right now in September. And I mean, I've been very guilty of saying this in the past and saying we should prioritize our mental health in the same way that we prioritize our physical health or treat it the same way. But it's. Our physical health doesn't get that great of treatment anyway. Like, it's not like health insurance or like going to the doctor is solves everything. Just the same way like going to therapy, like it doesn't solve everything half the time. Like, it's good to go and it's helpful, but like, it's not the magic thing. Like, if you don't have money and you're suicidal, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, we need all these basic rights in order to sustain our lives. And if you're missing one or two of them, like, how are you supposed to be happy all the time? But also, like, people with chronic conditions or disabilities who have such a tough time with their physical health um, and are in medical debt from it or don't get covered because they have a pre-existing condition, like, they're constantly screwed over by the healthcare system. That's even before they get mental health treatment. So, like, saying, you know, treat our mental health the same way we treat our physical health. Like, we treat both like shit in this country, and our system doesn't allow us to really treat both. So we should all really be prioritizing improving both systems and, like, upholding those values and those policies. And if politicians don't think that we deserve both, then, like, we ought to hold them accountable. Absolutely. And I
1: want to honest, this is kind of a mental note for myself to do more research in it, but you bring up a great point with politicians because what pharmaceutical companies are involved with which lobbying firms and which lobbying firms support which politicians like i feel like those are really important questions we need to be asking um this november not even just for the presidential election but for midterms in the senate and for other different um and your local elections even though local uh, maybe like state elections i know local
2: yeah it's just so sad to see how healthcare is politicized in general. Like COVID is not a conspiracy, but somehow politics has made COVID a conspiracy and people don't think that wearing masks is going to help. And they think that the election and is why people are making up COVID. And there's people literally dying and people just want to ignore that fact and just decide to not care. and. Do whatever they want and just hang out outside and go to these really large parties and do all these things but I don't know like how can you make something that is so real and that has affected all of the world so badly how can you say that that's made up and I don't know there's just so many ways that healthcare is politicized even beyond that I used to do research on abortion politics and Just looking at different states abortion policies. It's crazy to see because different states have different months up to which you can get an abortion different states require Okay, you need a parental consent. You need to come in on this day and then come two weeks later But there's only one abortion clinic in all of the states. So you're gonna have to drive up two separate times and In order to get the support, they put up all these different barriers to getting this type of health care. And it's just I think this is just like a I hate to say great example, but this is the perfect example of how politicians can really interfere with people getting the health care that they need if it doesn't fulfill their political agenda.
0: I mean, look at, okay, Joe Biden is the Democratic nominee for president. And everyone knows him. Um, I, you know, I looked up to him because of his work with cancer and, like, the Cancer Moonshot program. Um, We all, before we really knew what was going on, like, he was a big um, voice in ending sexual violence on campuses. And, like, that turned out to be a gyp. But, like, he was quoted saying last year that Medicare for All would be insulting to his dead son. Like, Joe, we did not forget about that comment. Like, if anyone is... Like, it shouldn't be up until someone you know is sick or dying or until you're dying to care about other people having access to health care. Like, I just don't get what that statement means. Like, I, I,
2: under- I don't understand either. Like, how did he think that it was insulting to him?
0: Like, what is... I think it's, is- like, retroactive thinking. Like, okay, like, my son died in this system and, like, I don't know, it's didn't just get like, coverage, so therefore... Yeah. So why wouldn't you want
2: the system to become better in order to make sure it's stuff... Like, you know what I mean? Wouldn't you want something positive to come out of that instead of punishing people?
1: Also, I'm not going to assume his son's financial situation, but I know his financial situation, yeah. and I know that he could have afforded treatment for his son if his son could not afford treatment. So that thinking is flawed regardless because... What type of what type mm-hmm. of financial burden did? Like I don't understand.
0: Yeah. and John McCain too, like rest in peace. I think he passed, I think it was almost exactly two years ago when he passed away. but you know, used to be against the Affordable Care Act. and then once he got sick, um, you know, had that very like famous like thumbs down um, about repealing the ACA about three years ago or almost four years ago now. And it's just like it's it's in this country like so many people didn't believe in COVID until they had a family member get it or they got it. Like it's just the individualistic society that we only really care about what we have access to when we need it. It's not about other people like if I I have a job right now, but when I lose my job, that's when I start to stand up for people who don't have their job. Like it's it just doesn't make sense to me.
1: It's like a empathy gene that like a lot of Americans are lacking because um, of this individualistic priority that we have been taught to like uphold when like caring about your neighbors like isn't a crime like absolutely not and like caring about the interests of people that you even if you don't necessarily identify with them that's also like something you're supposed to do as well so that definitely is like with that like well they should just get a job if they don't have a job and that type of harmful mentality that you don't know somebody's ability like if you don't know if someone has a disability you don't know if someone is um has to take care of a relative you don't know why someone could be out of work they could simply just not be able to find a job right now and that judgment And is actually impacting people from getting healthcare because we're continuing this train of thought that they must be linked, employment and healthcare must be linked, when that's simply not the case in a majority of countries around the world. That's not the case.
0: Yeah, honestly, I think this all bottle like I think it all comes down to the fact that we just don't have enough people representing working in healthcare in our lawmaking whether it's federal state local like it's i mean not that being a lawyer or being a policy wonk is bad but you have people like lauren underwood who are nurses by training um you have other folks who have worked in the healthcare system or have been physicians or have been involved in some capacity where they're able to make policies that Based actually of improve, what they see exactly um like we saw it with the hearings about like facebook twitter like not that i'm talking down on like older people who don't necessarily know technology but you have these old white men questioning these big tech people about like how to use an iphone and like how to use social media like we need more young people in office we need more people of color like we need every person represented because that's how we end up in this place because we have people who literally don't know how healthcare works, or they're just hiring people. But like, I mean, obviously most of the policymaker, like, they have people doing the work for them. But like, we have to have some sort of representation from this world, especially during a pandemic. Like, most of the people in office are like, "Whoa, like, what's going on?" Like, if they worked in healthcare, they would know. I don't know. It's just.
1: No, absolutely. Having that lived experience can help you craft like really impactful legislation because you understand what your constituents have been through
2: yeah and you know instead of having that nice and you know wholesome type of person contributing to healthcare policies we have people like Cory Booker I'm gonna call him out by name now he is the governor or one of the representatives from New Jersey and Senator Senator yes I don't even remember all the names of the legislators because med school things, just forget these things. But anyways, um, I remember a few years ago there was some legislation for pharmaceutical companies and putting some restrictions on the pharmaceutical companies, but New Jersey is such a big pharma hub. I mean, I feel like a lot of people have headquarters there. J&J headquarters in New Jersey, for example. And he voted against it, even though... You know, he proclaims he's a Democrat and has more left leaning policies, but in this case, because, you know, his um, fundraiser people are, you know, or what is it called when someone gives money to a campaign? What is the word for that donors. person? Donors. The donors, yes. His donors are the pharmaceutical companies, so he voted against it. So these are the types of people that we have in office right now.
0: But it is, it and that's what's hard about it and it's the same thing with the big insurance companies and like the walmarts of the world like and amazon is it's going to get there because they're going to represent so many people but like so many people in new jersey work for pharma companies so many people move to new jersey to work for pharma companies that's like i know rucker is like that's part of our selling point is that we're close to all of these pharma companies so like if you want to get your farm d i mean one it's a great school for that but like You'll be in the the research hub. You'll be in the pharma hub. And so like if these politicians, they want to keep jobs in New Jersey or they want to keep people happy, then they're like, I can't rip these people's jobs from them. So it's like a really hard situation and it's not created by any of us, but we all like partake in it and it, it just hurts my brain. Yeah. and kind of this is kind of off
2: topic from what you were saying but you kind of mentioned Amazon and Walmart and it's really interesting to see how those giant companies are looking at healthcare and they're all all of a sudden trying to get involved so clearly they see healthcare as a money making scheme because these let's be real these businesses would not be involved if they didn't think that healthcare was a big business that they could profit off of they they're seeing that as an opportunity to make money And this is going in the total opposite direction of what we want it to be. Ultimately, I don't think people realize this is gonna make it more
0: expensive for us, the individual people. So. And it's not solving the issue. Like, I think why capitalism keeps on moving on, especially like consulting, like the big four consulting firms, is because everyone's trying to solve these big problems, but we don't ever get to the root of it. It's like we slap these, like, solutions on top of it so like Lyft and Uber for example like they're starting to partner with health systems and health plans to help transport folks to and from doctor's appointments and make it more accessible like we talked about in our neighborhood and environment episode about accessibility to your healthcare provider is important like instead of having a a private company come in there like we could solve the issue of accessibility but instead we're gonna throw in Lift and Uber, and instead of making ambulance rides more affordable and like everyone feeling comfortable calling nine one one, which nobody does, understandably, we'll oh, call a lift, call an Uber, and take you to the hospital or to the doctor's appointment. Like it's just we're we have all these like whoa crazy like solutions, but it's really like we could just solve it, make the, the ambulance system.
2: cheaper so that they don't yeah, need like, to take a random person. It's just person. funny. Yeah. <laughs> And that logic, actually, like, just thinking about that specific scenario that you said, just thinking about that, like, in in an ambulance, there are people who are qualified to take care of someone if they are in an emergency situation. If someone gets in an Uber, like, how are they, like, if they're bleeding out, like, what are they going to do? They're in an Uber. So that doesn't even solve that much of a problem. That probably will create more problems because people are like, I'll be okay, I'll just take the Uber, and then... Next thing you know, they're, they're
0: having a really bad medical crisis in an Uber. I I had to take an Uber once to a doctor's appointment or a lift. I don't take Uber. I took a lift to a doctor's appointment, and the guy told me he was like, "Wait, I'm like nerve like I'm happy like it's not an emergency because I'm starting to get nervous now because I did take one person and I was like, oh my gosh like I don't know how dire their situation is." So when he saw that he was taking me to an outpatient center in a hospital, he was like traumatized, which, like, I don't blame them at all, either, because now they're, like, we didn't sign up for this, they're also feeling yeah. like they're putting someone at risk, like, yeah. yeah, they're
2: also put in a stressful situation, right, so, <laughs>
0: they're like, we just
1: wanted to take you to the movies, we didn't want to take you to, like, the hospital, like, because that could put them in a liability, too, if Uber doesn't, and Uber or Lyft or any of those travel, like, car places don't figure out, like, an entire liability plan, and also, yeah. like, if, they, if they're yeah. trying to
2: advertise, their availability to do that kind of service then they need to have more qualifications to in order to deal with that kind of situation or have to have some sort of waiver that is like if something bad happens in the car we can't take care of you so i don't know very interesting to think about and kind of going off of our previous episode slash, i guess i guess like basically our whole podcast because we talked about this so much is Another issue with health healthcare is just the cultural
0: competen,
2: competency component of it. Sorry, I cannot
0: talk today. I just had a really long shift at the hospital. We were all before but. we started recording, just talking about how shitty our weeks have been. So it's been a rough <laughs> one. It's been a really rough one. So just about this topic in general, it's just people
2: geographically don't even have the access to the healthcare. Forget about the financial aspect because that's a whole nother issue and um you know physicians are trained in a certain way to treat certain diseases but if they're not exposed to a certain culture where say the prevalence of a certain disease is higher they might not have the skills in order to treat that type of disease in that population
0: yeah and like even i noticed after researching some health plans which is a good start like i think at a lot of places we are making progress but we just need buy-in from everyone but health plans are starting to mark who in who in their network is trained on cultural competence which is good um and like are we ever going to get to everyone probably not at this point just because we don't have buy in from everyone like hospitals are business now like we want we want people in and out we want people in and out who cares about their life or their background or if they can afford the treatment in and out baby but like it's It's the same thing with ACOs, like accountable care organizations. The idea of it is amazing to have all of these systems be connected together and your your patient records follow you and your doctor can easily see what medications you're on and who you've seen. And have you been to the gyno? Have you been to your heart specialist if you need one? Hey, here's your checkup. I know everything. But now it's made these huge conglomerates of health systems that don't the whole like integration and interoperability of patients information and doctors and administrators and nurses and everyone, everyone involved, it's not doing that job. And so we've created these huge systems, but then it's still leaving the patient vulnerable and at risk. And so it's like, we're getting there. Like the ideas are here. It's just, we need buy-in from both sides and I don't know, like, are we going to get that? Are we going to get that buy-in? Like, you'd think this pandemic would help in having people see, like, shit, we need to, like, get our stuff together. But once this is over, like, are people still going to acknowledge that our system is broken? I don't know. What do you guys think? This is just
2: one of those things that no matter what, no matter how many committees they form on something like this, like, (laughs) it's just never gonna be resolved because there's always gonna be ways that you can be better on something and unfortunately this is like a work in progress and it's a permanent work in progress like most things in the world so I don't know what do you think about it Natalie?
1: I think that once COVID passes the people who were not affected but still may feel, feel this way now are just gonna think everything's gonna go back to normal and then it's gonna be like um just a smaller community like fighting the fight really, to have equitable health care, to have universal health care, to end racism in health care, and gender and equity in health care, and to end ableism in health care as well, and discrimination based on any part of someone's identity, too. And I think that it's going to be left to these communities to do the heavy lifting, because that's honestly always what kind of ends up happening, which is so frustrating. I mean, it doesn't help that it's an election year, and, um... Sometimes, like, white liberals just have this agenda of we're gonna fix everything in two years and then we're gonna have this amazing democratic experience with this democratic president. And it's like, okay, but they're problematic too. We're just trying to get by, (laughs) like, we're just yeah, settled for Joe. That's the that's simultaneously the most brilliant, the most brilliant and awful thing I've ever heard because it's true, like, at the heart of it, it's true, but it's so.
0: Like payroll taxes are gonna be gone soon, and then we're gonna have no social security. Yep,
1: yep. Like social security is a socialism uh, program. Hate to tell everybody, but that's socialism. So it's it's very frustrating, and I think that that's honestly that's what I think is gonna happen. Um, Like I mean, this episode is about economic stability in the healthcare system they're two separate social determinants of health but we wanted to combine them because of the big hot argument right now should healthcare be tied to employment and our answer I think is no and but there's a whole other route you can go about economic stability as well Um, for folks who experience employment discrimination that's a huge thing Uh, that's such a huge thing I mean sometimes folks don't even get a call back when submitting their resume just because of their name or because of where they live, because it could be seen as too far from the place of business. When these these folks who are applying are fully capable and wanting to get on a bus, um, even walk, like figure out a way. They wouldn't be applying if they weren't ready to do the job. So there are so many facets of how economic stability affects health even outside of our healthcare system but today we just really wanted to focus on the bridge between the two because people are getting in medical debt people are not getting medical health treatment at all because they decide not to um, seek it because of the cost and yeah like that kind of um, is the is just a little a tip of the iceberg is what I'm trying to say that's the tip of the iceberg when it comes to a situation
0: and it's just, I don't know how people don't see, like, this pandemic happened. People are dying, and then people are losing their jobs, and then don't have health insurance, and then aren't going to go to the doctor and get tested. And, like, I don't know. I just don't get how people don't... Like, if we all had health care, we'd all... Like, the economy would thrive. Like, the more we would people be able to go alive, and, work and
1: Like, the more people yeah. that are alive, the more people can work. I don't know why that's such, like, a... Shocker
0: to folks, but like for people like saying, Oh, only a certain percentage of the deaths were actually just from oh, COVID. Like, okay, let's what do dispel you that myth people die right from now. like let's people dispel don't that just myth. most people yeah. don't die from just one thing. It's mm-hmm. a multitude of things. And also, if someone dies, that's horrible, no matter what it was. Mm-hmm. So like if you're sharing that and just being like, Told you so, like People, only a certain amount of people are dying just from COVID. Like, do you know what you're saying?
1: It's infactual. Like, just so it's, weird. Yeah, it's, first of all, it's <laughs> infactual, like but second of all, to, like, like, you're celebrating, yeah, like, you're celebrating what you
2: think is, like, you're like, all these yeah, people just happened to die from high blood pressure the past three months, and they like, fe- what? and they had COVID at the same time but that doesn't matter because it doesn't fit my political agenda it comes all back to that
1: to settle it once and for all for all the listeners who may be a little bit confused uh the cdc came out with a report that said 94 percent of covid deaths had to do with other underlying causes what that meant was that <laughs> these underlying causes of previous health conditions such as high blood pressure or diabetes were worsened because of COVID 19 and led to someone's passing So we are very, we're expressing our condolences to people who are affected by COVID. Mm -hmm. But how um, the political right in this country, um, how some people within that have decided to...
0: uh, I've seen some Democrats quote unquote share that. So there you go.
1: It's um, just a bit of an uneducated moment. Um, So how some folks have decided to interpret it was that the remaining 6% of people who simply had COVID and no underlying condition were the only percentage of americans affected by covid in this country it's the whole 100 it's the whole pie anyone who has had covid and passed away it's related it's all connected and it's worsened that's something we've been advocating for since the beginning is to become educated on how some of your own underlying conditions could make you high risk that's why the word high risk exists so it's very frustrating to see uh this wildly inaccurate interpretation and that's like dangerous it's very dangerous um because it's it could lead to people taking COVID less seriously than they should be
0: and it'll take away from the argument that we're making today that um we don't take chronic conditions seriously and we don't have a system in place where we're able to take care of both at the same time and have information follow the patient from doctor to doctor and like if we start to ignore the fact that people passing away from a virus and also their underlying condition then we're never going to get back to creating policies and creating like a just healthcare system where we are giving people access to care when they do have chronic conditions like if we have that thinking that people okay if they die from this whatever like that's not me like that's not how it should work
2: I completely agree there's a lot to dissect in this episode for our <laughs> listeners. We just kind of went off, but... You should see our heads. <laughs> yeah, we're like... Too bad we didn't video this, so you <laughs> I'm can I'm talking see with my hands right now.
0: It's a lot. <laughs> but
2: um, this kind of concludes, as Natalie was saying, our Social Determinants <laughs> of Health series. We talked about economic stability. We talked about neighborhood and physical environment, education, food, community and social context, and finally, healthcare system. And we hoped that some of these episodes helped kind of explain these types of conditions that could affect people's health care in general. So with that, we are done. Thanks everyone.